Hey, I'm Steve Folland. How are you doing? Thanks for listening. Right, this time let's find out what it's like being freelance for artist Roxanne Coble. And it wasn't until I hit the year mark on my teaching credential that I realized, I don't want to be a teacher. I want to be an artist. What am I doing? Plans change. Things change. The path that you take is going to change. And that is okay. Yes. So there's Roxanne. She is a, oh, let me get this from her website. She is a, because I love it, a mixed media artist, illustrator, and maker of things. She goes by the name of Bai Bun. Well, not that she's disowned being called Roxanne Coble, but that's like her, her brand name and is up to many, many things. So we will chat about them, including YouTube. Like, love watching her YouTube videos. You can uh, check out mine as well. Remember, I'm doing the vlog. And actually, I must say thank you to everybody at WordCamp. If you've been following the vlog, you will know that at the beginning of the year, I made this decision to try and speak at some conferences to try and promote being freelance as in the podcast and the videos and all of that, and also help people out by chatting about some of the lessons I've learned from all of the guests. Anyway, the first one of those was at a WordPress conference, which is quite funny because everything about my websites is on Squarespace. But do you know what? I have to say the WordPress community are just the loveliest people. So I went along to WordCamp. They have these all around the world. WordCamp London. Yeah, I gave my very first talk. You can now watch how that went in the latest vlog. I, I think at some point that will be online somewhere. But anyway, you can see my experience of it and what I learned from giving a talk. My next one is going to be in May. May 16th is about work-life balance as part of Freelance Heroes Day. It's in Wolverhampton, so right in the centre of the UK, not far from Manchester. And if you're in the UK, it would be awesome to see you there. Check, at least please go check out the lineup, details at beingfreelance.com, because it looks like a really good event and it would be a really good thing to be part of, I think. And obviously, it would be nice to see you there as well. So, yeah, that would be the next section of the vlog, like me tearing my hair out, trying to write like a much longer talk all about work-life balance. But anyway, we shall squeeze it in because, after all, that's the whole point. Balance, right? Anyway, Go check out the vlog if you can. I really appreciate it. Hitting subscribe, turning on the notifications, leaving a comment on the videos as well. All of that can be found at beingfreelance.com along with all of the other guests. I think we're on about 126 guests or so now. So yeah, hit subscribe where you get your podcast so that you don't miss out on the other conversations just like this one. Let's crack on and chat to Roxanne Coble, freelance artist based in LA. Hey, Roxanne. Hey, Steve. Thank you very much for doing this. Let's let's just jump into it and find out how you got started being freelance. Yeah, it's a long, long story. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's taken me a long time to get to where I'm at now. You know, I've always been interested in art and studying art and making art. So, um, you know, I started when I was a young kid, obviously, and that was something I was interested in. But I never really knew that that was going to be a career that I would end up really going for. I always thought, honestly, that I was going to be a mortician. That was actually what I wanted to do. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I like dead things, which shows up in my artwork. So that makes sense. But yeah, no, I mean, it was like after college, I did what I think a lot of college students do and it's you go get a job. And I jumped into a nine to five desk job in advertising and was there for about six years and was absolutely miserable <laughs> uh, until my boyfriend, my now husband, kind of saw some of my artwork and was like, what are you doing? Why aren't you pursuing this art thing? 
And that was kind of the start of it all was me going, okay, maybe this is something that I could pursue and then just started to dabble from there. So what were you doing when you were working in advertising? It was not creative at all. It was specifically in infomercials. I was a media analyst and like executive. So I would buy the ad time and place the ads in various places. Yeah, Yeah, very boring. So then how did you start to make that transition? Yeah, you know, it kind of just started that I just started to make art for myself, just kind of was drawing a lot and painting and dabbling in all these sorts of different things. And then I started to share it on social media. And that was kind of the big thing is that I would make something and share it. And then when someone would see what I did, they'd go, hey, that's pretty cool. Can you make that for me too? Or can I get one of those too? And that's kind of how it started to roll a little bit. And especially just my my early stuff was really truly freelance and that I had clients that started off as friends and family and then it just sort of grew from there. Um, but it was all sorts of random things. You know, I would do uh, pet portraits and family portraits of people. I would do these huge seven foot party banners. I would hand paint these giant banners, which is so funny because now people are always like, oh, you work so tiny. Your artwork's so small. And it's like, you know, when I started out, I was making like seven foot murals. You know, it's really funny. And that was all coming via social media. Yeah, I I attribute it to social media, definitely. Because I kind of got into this thing where before I would go to work, I would carve out a little bit of time for myself uh, in the morning and I would wake up earlier and I would set 30 minutes before I went to my desk job that I hated, uh, 30 minutes just to make art. And I would post it on social media after I was done with the 30 minutes, uh, usually. And if it was in progress, I'd post progress photos. If it was finished stuff, I'd post finished stuff. But that's kind of also how I slowly built up just my own body of work and grew into my own style too at the same time. So at what point did you manage to wave goodbye to the advertising job? Oh, a long, long time. Um, So I was doing kind of the random odd jobs here and there. And then it wasn't, of course, this is my practical need a plan self. I thought, well, if I'm going to do art, if I want to become an artist, I should do something practical. Like, let me go get my master's degree. I was working still full-time in advertising while working on my MFA in painting and drawing. Did that for about a year and a half. Also miserable, staying up till like 3 a.m. painting in my easel and then going to work the next day. It was awful. So I bailed out on that and then thought, no, I'm going to be more practical and go get my teaching credential. So Stopped doing art school and my master's degree and then jumped into working on getting my teaching credential. So I had saved enough money at my advertising job and became basically a full-time student again, getting my teaching credential. But at the same time, I was making a lot of my own work, my own weird mixed media illustration stuff, and still posting that on social media while pursuing this teaching credential. So it was kind of like nurturing two things at the same time. And it wasn't until I hit the year mark on my teaching credential that I realized I don't want to be a teacher. I want to be an artist. What am I doing? Why am I being so practical about this? Um, Although the teaching credential really ended up helping me quite a bit because it gave me a lot of skills in terms of teaching and organizing that now has really become a big part of my creative business now. Um, So I definitely don't regret all of these things that I've jumped into and have bailed out of. Um, But I had nurtured and had grown so much of my own body of work that I was able to leave the teaching credential 
drop all of my random part-time jobs and go completely full-time as an artist. Crikey. Now, uh, so just to put this in perspective, when was that? Um, so I went full-time completely two years ago. And the other big nudge of this too was, again, my husband. It's so funny. He is such a big integral part of where I've gotten to today. He is also a creative and he is a television writer and he had to move because he was doing a really gnarly commute. So it was like, you know what? If we're moving, I'm moving with you, obviously. And this is the right time. This is the time to do it. You know, So that was kind of the nudge off the cliff that I needed to just do it, to just go into it. And I kind of gave myself a deadline. Like, okay, if I can't make money, you know, in like 30 days, 60 days or whatever it is, you know, I'll jump out and start Ubering or, you know, do some random, I'll walk dogs. I don't care. I think I even like signed up for a dog walking thing to like prepare myself. But thankfully it, it ended up working out because again, it, it had been something that I had been nurturing for literally like six years until I had really done the full plunge into going full-time. Jeez. I mean, you you talked there about the need to make money. Yes. You seem to have quite a few different ways of doing that. <laughs> yes, it's an endless list. <laughs> so let's talk through some of those. <laughs> yeah, you know, but I've realized it's, it's so important. Um, and this was something that I was really planning for. Again, I'm a huge planner, organizer. I always think the worst is going to happen, which I think is both a good and bad thing. But when I went full time, I knew that I had to set up multiple revenue streams. So I knew that I wanted to have something where I could have stuff sitting in an Etsy shop. So it's physical merchandise, things like digital downloads. And this is where the teaching comes in is that I began creating my own online classes. So I would film myself in my studio create, design, build these entire online classes, and then put that up in my Etsy shops that students can then purchase, download, and make artwork alongside me at their own pace. So the online classes are a big thing for me, obviously, physical merchandise. Then I have all sorts of random things. Obviously, I'm on YouTube. I'm on Twitch now. I have a partnership with Art Snacks. That's also been really great. So just a whole list of things. <laughs> and with the classes, then when you were creating that first one, you presumably you had a quite an audience on social media. Yes. Those were the people you were kind of putting that towards. Did you reach out to them first and say, would anybody be interested in this? Or did you just dive in? Well, it was interesting. I think there was something that a lot of people were asking from me as, as they would stumble into my work on social media or on Pinterest. And they were like, you know, who is this girl that does all these creepy things? I want to draw and paint like this too. So it was actually something that was really requested of me, but it wasn't until I went full time that I really had the bandwidth to take on a project like that, where I'm filming literally hours and hours and hours of footage, and then I'm editing it and then really structuring it into a class. So yeah, it was more of a, a request. Um, and I think it's something too in the world of mixed media, um, specifically in art journaling, which is kind of one of my main formats that I work in. That's a common thing is these online classes that, that people take from all over. So how much work would you say went into creating the class? And is it like an ongoing thing then, as in do you interact with the students or is it posted up and people do it at their own speed? Yeah, so most of it is people do it at their own pace, but we do have like a private Facebook group that students can post their work and share there. And it's kind of its own community. So with every class that I put out, 
each class has its own private group and students share their work. They uh, ask questions, you know, if they're like, hey, I bought this one paint, but, you know, maybe I want to try something else. What do you think? So it's kind of each class has its own little community, which is really, really cool. So there is an interactive element to it. Yeah. But the time for me to create an online class and each one is different depending on how long it is. Like I have one class that's like four hours long, like four hours worth of videos. I have one that's on the shorter side that I think it's like maybe two and a half hours, but usually they take me at least a full month to a month and a half to create start to finish. And that's me working at it full time every day. But when you did that first one, did you take that month out or were you having to like fit it in amongst all the other things which were bringing you actual money? Yeah. So I think that was when I went full time, the the class was kind of the 30 the day, 60 day limit that I gave myself. It was like, okay, I have this idea for a class. I'm going to try to execute it in the way that I think will work. And I'm going to give myself this deadline to do it and launch it. And I really put a lot of eggs in that basket of like the success of this class is really going to kind of be that validation for me of like, is this something that I can do? Or do I need to start walking dogs or doing something? So I really had kind of just only concentrated on that when I went full time. And a lot of these other revenue streams sort of happened later or within that first year. Because at the at the same time, I was also doing a lot of the other another thing that I do as well as I teach in person workshops. So that's something else is, that I'll do is I'll travel to different places, uh, to studios or to private residence or private homes. And I'll come in and I'll teach classes as well. And how do you go about letting people know about those things? Like, do you have an email list that you'd built up or is it all just via putting messages on social media? Yeah, so I, it's usually across any social media thing. Um, but I do have, yeah, I do have an email list on my blog website as well. And um, when did you start making videos on YouTube then? So YouTube happened shortly after I had moved and went full time. So I'd say like maybe two years or just under two years. And that was something that I thought would be purely like a side project as just a fun thing. Cause I was, I, I like making videos um, and I wanted something just kind of fun that I could have fun with it. I really didn't think of it as a revenue stream, but it did sort of end up becoming that and has certainly opened up other doors for things, which is pretty cool. In what way? In, in growing your audience or people getting in touch with you? or It's a little bit of everything. So definitely the audience, because I think you know YouTube has its own community, its own bubble. So that's definitely uh, has been an interesting way of sharing my work and my life. And then like partnerships, businesses as well. So that's how my partnership with Art Snacks began, which is a, it's a monthly subscription service for art supplies. And I was doing reviews of their boxes on my channel and I would do them this kind of fun way. And they ended up reaching out to me and was like, Hey, we really like your YouTube videos. We want to work with you. So I have, I have YouTube to thank for that. Cool. Yeah. So, so that was one type of video. So like an unboxing type thing, but you do a lot of, like, as you say about your life, like vlogging about your career well, your life. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny, the vlogs have become like the main videos that are up there now. You know, I, when I started the channel, I thought that I needed to do those kind of like tutorial listy kind of things like my top five favorite things. I thought that that's how I was going to do it. Um, and then I started to do Vlogmas, which is where you, you vlog every day in the month of December or whatever it is. And I started doing that and it just like the views were crazy and the reaction that people had to me sharing my life in such a unfiltered way uh, was really interesting. How do you cope with with the expectations of all of the different 
places where you're putting out your work, but it will, particularly when it comes to YouTube, for example, where you're filming and then you have to spend a long time editing, like, because when it comes to putting a, an image of your work on Instagram, well, you were doing that work anyway, but doing stuff for YouTube or for Twitch for that matter, that's, that's different. And how do you juggle that when you've got a lot of work on or a lot of life on? Yeah, it's, it's hard to juggle the content you know, with a wheel of content of what do I put my time in this week or today or whatever. Um, I definitely have a love hate relationship with YouTube more so recently because of the time situation. And last year I was kind of in this place where I was vlogging every day. I was putting up a video every day, which looking back on that now is it's insane. The amount of time that I would put into editing and just being in that mode of I'm constantly carrying a, a camera around and documenting my life is very bizarre. But I, you know, I haven't really been posting a lot of videos lately. Because of that, it just takes so long to produce that kind of content. And it's that ebb and flow too of like, how much do I want to share? Because at the end of the day too, it's like, I'm still a creative person. And I need to make sure that I'm still nurturing myself as an artist and giving myself time that I'm not sharing with the world to create art and to develop my skills and develop, you know, whatever it is that I'm working on. And I think that's been what's so enticing with Twitch is that I've really started to stream and do a lot more there because just time-wise, it's so much easier. I'm not, you know, I'm not really producing, I'm not editing, I'm working on something that I would already be working on. And I'm still creating that sort of community and also being able to make a little bit of money at the same time. So Twitch has been a really good thing for me in 2018. Yeah, it's interesting because actually, in a way, YouTube Live was probably trying to catch up with where Twitch was. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And they failed. <laughs> or at least right now. As I say, YouTube Live is garbage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So why is it that you prefer to, or not prefer Twitch to YouTube? What What are you getting from Twitch? Well, Twitch is, Twitch is a lot. I think the number one thing is I'm not having to edit any videos. That's number one. So the three or four hours that I would spend editing a vlog, I'm just streaming, which is great. Uh, so there's the element of multitasking is that I'm not editing, but now I'm also making art, which was one of my big goals for the year was to increase the volume of creative work that I'm making. And Twitch allows me to do that. While at the same time, I'm still able to interact with followers and the community because it's all happening there. So, you know, like on Fridays, I stream my Friday night art parties and we call it the hermit art party, uh, where us hermits who aren't going out on a Friday night can just stay in and wear sweatpants and we make art together, you know? So you, you pour a glass of wine and put on sweatpants and, and just, and create, and it's really fun. So it's just fun and less pressure and less time I'm having to put into something. Also business wise, it makes a lot more sense than YouTube does. Because Twitch is aimed at being a bit like a Patreon type thing. You can, you tip, is it tip? You tip the people? Yeah. So there is a, well, there is a tip element. There's bits too, which is a very similar thing. But the main thing is that people can subscribe to your channel and support you directly, which is huge. So when you really compare the two platforms, Twitch really backs its creators and allows more opportunities for followers and viewers to support you 
Whereas YouTube is, that's really not the case. <laughs> a little more difficult on YouTube. Okay. So to pick up on one thing you said there, because you mentioned Vlogmas, which yeah. so, I, I mean, the challenge of like, so vlogging every day in December, which sounds horrendous. <laughs> but, it is. <laughs> but, but you do like to, to like go with those challenges. Like I notice at the moment you're doing one, for example. Yeah. Like right now I'm doing, uh, well, every year I host the April Art Challenge, which is a daily drawing challenge or, or challenge rather, uh, that happens in the month of April and it's for 30 days and I put out a prompt list. But yeah, I like those challenges. It helps just to kind of mix things up. And, you know, I think it's part of just my my planner organizational brain. I like having something laid out that I can kind of like tackle. So yeah, certainly Vlogmas was like that. And and this challenge now is definitely like that. Yeah. Ah, I see. But I didn't realize. So that's one that you you actually host, that you curate. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, three years ago, I started that. I put out a little prompt list and just kind of put out the hashtag, even though it's not that unique of a hashtag. And people started to do it. And it seems like every year it's it's has picked up steam and just more and more people have been jumping in and doing it. It's pretty cool. So is most of the actual work that you do, you know, like commissions, actual where people are paying you for your art, does that come from individuals or from businesses? So, you know, it's interesting. My business started out like that and that I was doing sort of commissions, but I worked really, really hard to steer away from that to where really that only that only happens now with businesses where I'm producing a video for a business or you know something like, like that. I don't really have like one-on-one clients per se anymore. And that was definitely something I was working towards to drift away from. Amazing. So you've got to the point where you're creating the art that you want to create. Yes. But ev- everything else is almost like this this audience to that or wanting to learn how to do it too. Exactly. Exactly. Let's go to the side projects then, because clearly you you don't sound busy enough. So so what else are you up to? Uh, well, our our podcast, which is something that I do with my husband, that's definitely a side project that's pretty fun. Uh, the Pug Party podcast, and that came about just because he has a pretty crazy work schedule, and so it was our way of sort of spending time together, but also still cranking out content. And that's been really fun. We kind of just talk about random things, and you know, we have a little creative segment where we we both compare and contrast uh, di- different creative topics, which is really fun. But yeah, that's definitely a, a side project that's fun to work on. That's really nice though. So almost like so, some people say, let's have a date night and you're more like, no, actually let's, let's do a podcast. Yeah, let's do more work <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. And, w- and what other side projects then? I think the other kind of side projects that I'm working on is just my own private artwork or my own artwork for myself, that's not for an online class I'm developing, not for a video that I'm producing for something. And I find that very challenging because my plate is always so full and I'm doing so much that just making art for myself is its own side project. And, uh, you know, the April art challenge is a little bit of a little bit like that. And just that I'm cranking out artwork every day and then sort of sharing it. But at the same time, I'm hosting that. So it kind of still has that job sort of feel to it. But I know more recently, and actually this came about through the April Art Challenge, is I've started to make these tarot cards for myself. And it's something that I've always wanted to do is design my own deck of tarot cards. And I started making them. So I would say that that's definitely a side project that's like officially underway as of 48 hours ago. Wow. All of this to to somebody could sound quite overwhelming. Does it ever feel too much? 
Oh, it absolutely feels too much. I think that's probably my greatest downfall is that I don't take care of myself enough. I know towards the end of last year, I definitely kind of got into a a bit of a rough patch of just feeling really stressed and overwhelmed and really needing to rethink things. So I literally kind of just like shut down everything for two weeks, kind of hit the reset button and just gave myself uh, some time to really plan for the year ahead. And that's what I've really done. So I've kind of reshifted a lot of my priorities for this year and even looking into 2019. Again, I'm a crazy planner, can't help it. You know, so it's like I, it's, I'm pulling back on some things. So for example, like YouTube, I'm not making those daily videos anymore because that's just insane. I'm not teaching as many in-person workshops because that itself is a lot of work of me prepping for the class, preparing for students, traveling to wherever I'm going, setting up, teaching all day, doing it all over again the next weekend. So it's just reshifting my priorities. And that's definitely something that I feel like I'm continuously working on is just taking better care of myself. So you've kind of feel like, actually, it's okay. I'm just going to sort of unplug all of these various bits of content that I put out. Yeah, because it's it's hard when you do produce so much content that, and and when it's your own business too, it's terrifying when you go from you know posting a YouTube video every day to not posting videos anymore. It's like okay, is is my business now going to suffer because I'm not nurturing this one thing that I'm doing all the time? I'm really working on trying to relieve that pressure that I'm just putting on myself all the time that I have to be juggling all these things at once. You know, it's okay to let one of those things fall and focus on something else, you know, focus on one or two of them and do it really well than 10 of them (laughs) and and not so well, you know? So as you're planning out your year, as you said, are you literally thinking, okay, I want to do all of these big things, but I'm going to leave that one until, I don't know, you know, June and I'll do this one in September. Yeah. So I, I plan out everything like a crazy person. So I have, um, I literally plan two years at a time and I take each month and kind of decide like, okay, how many in-person workshops am I teaching uh, for the year? And I spread those out. Maybe it's every other month or once a month, particularly with the online classes, I really have to prepare for those. And I think this is one of the reasons why I plan so much of my my year in advance, but the two year span is because I know if I want to put out an online class, it takes me a month, a month and a half just to produce that. So I really have to get that into a planner and really create a production schedule for myself and just be prepared for the launch or whatever that is. Uh, same with even just merchandise. Like the start of this year, I released for the first time uh, a little it's a larger, I call it a zine, but it's really like a little book of kind of a collection of all my artwork from 2017. And just that alone was a month to design it, you know, another month to once I got it, package it all, design what the packaging is going to look like, physically do that labor and time into it. So a lot of the things that I do are such, they're on such a big scale that I have to be looking 12 to 24 months in advance. Yeah, man, that's huge. What about when your creative mind then goes, oh, but what about this? Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to let that happen more often of where if I have that itch to do something, I'm going to scratch it. And right now is kind of a perfect example is like these tarot cards. I'm in the middle of creating a brand new online class that I have like, you know, thoroughly detailed and outlined what days I'm filming. I have already skipped two filming days because I've just had this desire to create something for myself and that's okay. And it's been really, really hard to accept that 
but as an artist, it's so important because those days where maybe I, I spend the whole day drawing or painting, at the end of the day, I feel like I didn't have a productive day, you know, because I didn't edit a video. I didn't send 20 emails. I didn't post two Instagram posts. I didn't do my structured thing. But as an artist, it is being productive. That is a full day of creating, making, and that's so important to do. What about when it comes to the business side of things? So much of this is about creation and then also content for your audience. And it's great that you've clearly got this planning side to you and you've got your teaching side to you. But then there's the running the business side of it that inevitably has to come along to any freelance career as well. Yeah, it's it's odd. It's actually, I think that I'm pretty good at that side of it, which is sometimes dangerous because that's where I will end up putting a lot of my time into, um, where I should be working on more creating the thing and not the business end of it. But I've always been, you know, really good with finances and keeping things again, organized. So the business side of things really is not, has not been difficult for me. That's actually probably the easier side. That's cool. I have to ask you because you kind of have a brand as well of by bun. Yes. When did that come about? So that came about um, six or seven years ago when I was making my very first website and my boyfriend, now husband, again, all comes back to James. uh, (laughs) He was helping me create my website and he was like, okay, what do you want to call your website? And I didn't want to call it RoxanneCobal.com or or anything like that. So Bun was a pet name. He called me Bun from Bunny. And uh, he's like, well, how about buy Bun? Everything's made by Bun. I was like, okay, bye bun. Let's do it. Sounds good. And have called it that and have stuck with it ever since. And yeah, which I'm glad I have because I'm realizing that's so important when you are creating a brand, especially I think as a creative person to like really just stick with something and not change it ever. <laughs> that's a very good point though. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's tempting because you like, you come up with other ideas or, you know, you get to a certain point. I think I always thought that I would come back to my name that like by bun was just a cute, like blog sort of thing. I think I always thought that I would come back to Roxanne Coble artist or, or whatever, something really official and professional sounding, but by bun and bun is just who I am. So it's, yeah, it's stuck. I love it. Okay. Now I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself, make two true one, a lie and let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me? Okay. So first, I was a featured artist on a how-to PBS art TV show. Number two, I created artwork for a music video for an up-and-coming musician who's actually a personal favorite of mine. And the last one is, I was in and placed on a televised Halloween costume contest judged by Martha Stewart. Okay, so PBS, so you were on a TV show as a featured artist? Yes. Yeah, it was like a how-to, how-to TV show. Okay, so what did you do a how-to of? Uh, it was various mixed media techniques. So it was all kind of like my art journaling technique kind of things. And did a full-on TV crew descend upon where you live? I actually flew out to a studio. So I was actually in a studio filming. Wow. Yeah, it was very cool. The up-and-coming musician one. You did their music video, did you say? So I did artwork for the music video. It's like part of it, like in the ti- like in the titles and stuff. And what, what would would we know them? You might. I mean, she's pretty. She's pretty popular. She's she's becoming really popular, which is why I was like, oh, I don't want to say the name because it might. You might have seen it. Hmm. Okay. And I love this last one. So you were in a Halloween. Was this on TV again? Did you say? Yes, it was on TV. Yeah. You were in a fancy dress 
Halloween fancy dress code. How old were you? I when was this? Uh, it was in 2013. This was more recent. It was a it was a, so it was a televised. It was like a national costume contest that I entered, and I got to be on TV, and it was judged by Martha Stewart. And what were you dressed as? Uh, headless Marie Antoinette. Okay, I don't know. Clearly, uh, you know, as you said, your mortician fascination and what goes for your artwork as well. I feel like the Halloween one must be true. And Martha Stewart is a big deal in the States, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Although not necessarily for judging headless Marie Antoinette's. No. <laughs> PBS, I mean, the speed with which you came up with the fact that you went to a TV studio to do the PBS thing makes me think that must be true because the obvious easy thing though would have just been, yeah, yeah, they came, they came to my, came to my house, to my studio, but you didn't. The up and coming musician one, you were a bit more vague on and yet, you know, you're in LA. Oh, I don't know. Oh no. Okay. No, I do know because I think the studio one, I've explained why I think that's true. I really want the Halloween one to be true. I can imagine that's the sort of thing you would have done. So I don't think you've done the music video. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, The music video one is the lie. Yes. I am so bad at this, by the way. I had to ask James to help me write the fake one because I was like, I have no idea. He's a TV writer. You needed more of a backstory on there. I know. I should I should have probed him a bit more for more details. It's true. Um, that's excellent, though. So you really, yeah, you really were a headless Marie Antoinette. Yeah, you can actually just Google, when you Google my name. Oh, I will. Yeah. No, you can just Google it. Um, but it was pretty cool. I built this, like, fake torso and rigged it to a backpack. And it's sculpted with, like, plaster and it's painted. So I wore basically, like, a backpack and then sewed and created a dress. So the headless head was my real head. So it's like an illusion. It's very cool. Yeah. So I made that, submitted it online, and I won for the state of California. So I beat out 14,000 entries in the state of California and then got to go to the televised show. And I actually won my category and placed third overall. Oh, my God. I have... I have got the image in front of me now. You could be a costume designer on Broadway. That is incredible. Yeah. yeah so I'm really big into cosplay. I do a lot of uh, Halloween costumes every year. I'm very big into Halloween. Okay. Well, everybody, you have to go and search Roxanne Coble. I, I did Roxanne Coble, Martha Stewart. Uh, that's that's amazing. Truly incredible costume. I'm kind of blown <laughs> Thank away. Thank you. Okay. Um, (laughs) Now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Probably that plans change, things change. The path that you take is going to change, and that is okay. Cool. So even even as someone who loves to plan. Yeah. I know. It's hard. It's hard advice to dish out to my younger self. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's an important one, though, you know, it's because it, I just looking back, I think of all these different avenues that I thought I was going to go down and how committed I was to each one and then how sort of a little bit heartbroken I was at the end of each one, realizing, OK, this isn't it. I'm going to pursue this other thing instead. That just looking back, it's OK. And I, I would tell myself that, that, you know, s- stick to being you do do what you want to do. Planning is okay, but things do change and that's okay. Yeah, no, that's cool. Well, listen, thank you so much for talking to to me. It's been great. Uh, We should also say thank you to Anna, 
in Zagreb as she was the person who got in touch with me and suggested I check you out in the first place. That is so cool. It is so cool though, isn't it? <laughs> so you're in LA, somebody in Croatia is like watching what you do and enjoying your videos and all absorbing everything that you do, gets in touch because they listen to my podcast and, and now we're talking somehow as if we're in the same room. What a wonderful world. Yeah, I was going to say the internet is a wild and wonderful place. Yeah. So Anna, thank you very much. And I uh, hope all is well with you. Uh, go to beingfreelance.com. We'll put links through to everything. And I mean, everything It's a lot that uh, Roxanne is up to so that you can check out her podcast and of course her videos, wherever they may be, and all of the various different, and of course her artwork and, and the Marie Antoinette headless Halloween thing as well, which will blow your mind. And yeah, of course, uh, say hi to her on all the various social media platforms as well by bun uh is uh, her name and it is roxanne cobalt and links are at beingfreelance.com but roxanne thank you so much and all the best being freelance thank you so much 